Hello, I'm Andrew Hara, the host of The Bomb Squad. I wanted to tell you about my movies. All are available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. The last ones is a zombie drama about how a pandemic and isolation could drive a group of people mad. When the virus hits, John finds himself alone and scared until he meets Michael, his protector. But when Karina, another survivor, enters the mix, everything that John and Michael knew will be turned on its head. The last one's is a zombie virus movie that's somehow even more relevant today. Plus, it has zombies. Check it out. Borderland is a mexploitation film about living in El Paso. When Sarah finds herself in debt to the cartels, she has until sunrise to find some missing monies with the help of her executioner. Borderland is a true midnight movie and a lot of fun. Finally, the documentary Humble Spirits tells the story of the Han family, including champion Jennifer Hahn from El Paso, Texas. The entire Hahn family has grown up in the combat sports and has helped shape who they are both in and out of the ring. Humble Spirits, a family of fighters, is the perfect documentary for boxing fans of all ages. Check out Tubi to watch all my films. Finally, The Empty Space, winner of multiple awards, including the Sacramento Horror Film Festival's Best of the Best, is a cosmic horror about Amy Andrews, who's dealing with anxiety and depression after a violent attack that killed her husband. As she tries to find herself, she starts to lose her grasp on reality. Or could it be something much more sinister? The Empty Space is full of twists and turns, with Grace DeWilder of Rue Moore Magazine calling it a powerful film full of excellent performances by practically every cast member. All of Andrew Hada's movies are available to rent or buy on streaming services such as Tubi, Amazon, and many other places. We hope that you help support us by watching these films. Now, let's start the Bomb Squad! <laughs> Welcome to 2024 and welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast. If you don't know, the Bomb Squad Podcast is a podcast where we talk about movies that are either underappreciated or overly hated. So those movies that you might have watched a million times, The Freddy's Dead, The Super Mario Brothers, the random uh, movie, that The Boy and His Dog we just did, those movies that maybe you've heard are real bad or if you've heard, like, maybe you haven't heard of them at all. That's kind of what we cover here. We talk about, we try to find the good in all the movies. Doesn't mean they're all good, but we talk about it. And as you know, I'm Andrew Hara, writer-director. I've written The Empty Space and every other movie that you saw before this in that trailer. Uh, I'm here with my co-hosts, Joshua Whitney Epp, who is a artist out of Portland, Oregon. And he makes furry stuff. That's uh, not accurate. <laughs> accurate. <laughs> We're not going for accuracy. And also, William Murdoch, who has done the music for The Empty Space and Borderland. And he's also edited The Empty Space and The Last Ones, one of their feature films. He also worked on... William, did you do music? What else did you do music for? Did you do music for a couple of shorts? The Sun Jar? Uh, yeah, The Sun Jar. Um, yeah. I yeah, I think, think? that's... Maybe something else. I don't know. I think I might have used some of your music in other shorts. That's what I get to do because he gave me copyright. But thank oh, you yeah. guys. And so <laughs> welcome to the Bomb Squad. And after all that intro, I just want to say we're not going to really do that. This is our top 10 of the year. 
Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some movies that we hopefully, I mean, I think this year we're probably going to talk about movies that you've heard of. Hopefully. <laughs> Usually we try to throw in one sneak, which uh, maybe all we of will. mine are very popular yeah. films. So. Yeah. Josh, Josh, he, Josh asked me before we started, how can he put the Marvels five times? And I told him that's not how a list works. <laughs> right. But we'll see what he picks. So the way we're going to do it is each one of us will pick three, one, until we get to nine. But this time... We have a very special number 10, which we'll start with right now. So number 10 of our top favorite. Also, we do top favorites because, I mean, movies are always subjective. Mm-hmm. And so we try to talk about <laughs> which ones Wait, are so the best. Wait, so you're starting at 10 and counting down? Wouldn't you start at yeah. 1 and count So we're doing our, our so, top 10 through 20. Yeah, we're, we're going to do our top 25 through 15. <laughs> yeah. That's what I. That's what my list is. Just that's, make it as hundred films. You cannot have made the one through fifteen. They had to be separate lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start with our number ten, which is of course the empty space. If you've seen the movie that I've made, the empty space, and I don't know why you're here, but if you haven't, <laughs> go check it out. It's on Tubi. So the empty space is about. A woman named Amy Andrews who's suffering from depression and anxiety and grief after the loss of her boyfriend. And she starts like going to different places, trying to figure it out. Once she gets to like a a support group and starts figuring some stuff out and trying to get a little bit better, her boyfriend returns. But very quickly she realizes that he might be more than meets the eye, the Transformer. And so she'll have to figure out... Yeah, you have to figure. There is it is a PG thirteen, but it's a hard PG thirteen. Um, <laughs> they only say the n word two or three times. Yeah, it's, very it's like the rings. Um, <laughs> it's going back but, to the grudge era. Well, she'll have to figure out what's real and what's fake as she gets deeper into the empty space. Hey, the empty I think space, it's on the wall behind you. It is. It's right there. That's the picture you're looking for when you go on Tubi.com. Or you can also go to Amazon or Voodoo and just get some cool, watch it, pay for it to watch it. Or you go to Tubi and watch it for free, but you got to watch it with commercials. Either way, I'd appreciate it if you watched it. William did the music, and also we edited it in Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah, at the West Koenig Flats. Or yeah. no, I don't know. It was something like that. We don't know. We know it's next to Handlebars, guys. Go to Handlebars Bar. Oh, yeah. And drink some beers. For us yeah. and be mm-hmm. like, hey, th- is this the empty space experience? The answer is yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, just, Josh yeah. was Josh was on set. I did. I was standing on set at times. He was on set. He appeared. And my his... arms were folded sometimes, like I was doing something. Yeah. Too. He also appeared folded. on set a couple, or he, he appears in the film multiple times. That's See true. If you I'm, can find him. I'm He's in... like, where's Waldo? yeah joshua waldo where's bloated white waldo you're like yeah "Yeah, i recognize that very man why is that guy in the street also in the support group and also at the restaurant you'll find out in the empty small ass town guys (laughs) if you find all the instances of josh in the empty space you get a prize also if you find all of if you find all of josh's instances in the borderland and comment below what your favorite scene of Joshua App in Borderland is? You don't. You don't need to to you watch will my get scenes a in the Borderland. That's not. Uh, but yeah, so Empty Space is my movie. Of course, you know it's weird to put your own movie on the list. That's why it's number ten, which we don't usually do. 
Um, <laughs> but so at the normal. same it's time, <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon is definitely on Martin Scorsese's top ten of the year. Like, I mean, listen, I, that's what they say. <laughs> but like, okay, why would I make a movie I didn't like? That's that doesn't make any sense. It, you, we said, what are your favorite movies of 2023? Guess what movie I like? My favorite as it's the, the most movie Andrew Lotta movie ever made. I made it exactly. <laughs> you think Martin Scorsese doesn't like Killers? I know he likes that movie because it rocked. Yeah, he anyway. probably liked it. He probably liked it. Yeah, he probably put it on his list. It's a very Quentin Tarantino move, I feel. Quentin Tarantino would have to put it on his list. But anyway, check it out. If you haven't yet, we'd really appreciate it. Or give us a like and subscribe. I don't know. I never say that. So I figured I'd say it now while I'm shamelessly yeah. promoting it. If you like it. Go watch whatever. Subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need Thank to have you. like a button right. like that. We need to have a button, a like and subscribe I know. button that we always I say. I need the like, zoom, like and subscribe. <clears throat> yeah. Guys, we don't do that because we find it annoying. So yeah. if you don't want us to start doing it, then start subscribing. Although <laughs> yeah. there's been a lot of you. Like and subscribe, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it. That's it for the promotion. That's it for the 25-minute commercial at this point with the trailer in front and now this. Uh, but oh, yeah. go check them out. Well, we had to talk about it. We're probably going to talk about it forever. But anyway, let's get on to our real list. Joshua... Go with your first pick. Okay. The year, 1945. The place, Los Alamos. That's you the are death. It's Oppenheimer. That's my, that's my okay, pick. Okay, guys. Josh is going to do that every time. <laughs> that's how he says the title of the movie. So I'm glad that he committed to that. Yeah. And we're not going to cut it out. So Oppenheimer, thank you, Josh, for picking this movie so I didn't have to. William, have you seen Oppenheimer? I watched it last night at like yes! 11 p.m. Damn, you, re- you really like power watched all the movies of the year. <laughs> I, last night, I, I watched Killers of the Flower run. Moon. Yeah, I did Killers of the Flower Moon <laughs> next to Oppenheimer and then the killer that I just finished right now. You say, <laughs> I was up you, until like you, three. You spend <laughs> you spend 500 hours watching Law & Order episodes in 2023 and then you watch every movie the week yes. before the podcast. <laughs> that's the way, that's the way it's hours done, before the buddy. podcast. <laughs> Mere so, hours, Josh. <laughs> William, what did what did you think of Opie in the in the bomb that wouldn't explode? I mean, I know the whole time we were doing the bomb squad, you guys were like, you should definitely go see it in IMAX. It's way worth seeing it in IMAX. And you guys were right. Like, there's so much beautiful cinematography going on that I could definitely see all those like like I loved how they went into like how he saw the world as particles. And like how he right, had like a bunch right. of like existential crises, and like just I don't know. Whenever they would flash, just like explosions or like just weird light waves. Like I could see that being really great on the huge screen. But yeah. I mean, it's, Christopher Nolan is like a, he's an undeniable talent. You know, he's just he makes a great movie. Yeah. It's like out of the, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, wow, everyone in this movie is such a fucking douchebag and like such an asshole. And then like <laughs> then I was like, oh, okay, that's the point. That's the point. Yeah, and uh, I, so I, I was also like wondering the whole time, like whenever they were telling Oppenheimer, like you are actually important, you can't just fuck around. I was like, is this how Christopher Nolan like thinks about himself? Like, does he think that he's like, I, like does he relate he like to Oppenheimer bit, yeah. like a lot? I love, <laughs> I love how every Christopher Nolan movie is just about movie making in one way or another. Right, and then right. that's even funnier because there's that scene where they tell Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer is about the maker of the atomic bomb and his ties and everything. But so there's a funny scene where like they're on Los Alamos, they're building the bomb to stop the Nazis at the time. 
And mm. Oppenheimer's dressed in army fatigues. And, you know, they ask him, like, why are you dressed like that? And he's like, oh, well, they wanted us to enlist so that we could, like, get classified without, like, having to go through a bunch of nonsense. And then, like, the guy tells him, he goes, like, no, they everyone respects you as a scientist. Don't look like a soldier. You need to look like a scientist. Yeah. And then there's, like, a scene where it cuts and he's, like, putting on the hat and gets his cigar like he's Batman loading up, like, his stuff. Yeah. And then I remembered, I didn't know, I didn't remember that at the time, but William bringing up that Christopher Nolan thing. So Christopher Nolan makes it a point to always wear a suit on set, yeah, regardless of how like uncomfortable or hot it would be. Right, all his pictures. And I like to think, yeah, sure. that was him being like, "Oh yeah, I do this too, Oppenheimer." Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I feel like you. in Christopher Nolan's room, there's like that Homer like picture of Da Vinci, where it's just Oppenheimer and it has like all his little accomplishments, and then it has a picture of like Christopher Nolan and all his accomplishments, and they're like racing. Yeah, but. <laughs> but it's also like, like to me, like the interesting thing is like, yeah, it's clearly like about him, but it also like the conclusion the movie comes to is like you're like a huge pussy Oppenheimer, like you're like a coward, right. you know, like right. you can't like take a firm stance and trying to do it after the fact. I don't know, it's it's almost yeah. fascinating well, to me because like I, they structure it like um it's like almost him versus Strauss, Robert Downey Jr. Mm, it's like. It is. Strauss is kind of correct. So everything he says about Oppenheimer being like this, like is is basically right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's kind of right kind about of... him for sure. No, Strauss is definitely wrong because he's in black and white. Um, <laughs> no, no, the black and white's the truth. The the I, fiction is the color. I think right, it's it's right. funny because like hey, I feel a little bit. I feel like a little bit about like I felt with Django Unchained where. He made Glorious Bastards, and in this case, Nolan made Tenet. And I feel like when I watched that movie, I was like, "Oh, he's gone too far! Like he's gone too far into his, oh, in Tenet, into his themes yeah. and stuff." Yeah, with Tenet. Yeah. And so it's like sometimes you see them go that far, and then you're like, "I hope they come back," because a lot of times you end up with an asteroid city, and there's no coming back from that. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> right. so watching Oppenheimer disappearing fully up like, your own ass. Yeah. yeah sitting in Oppenheimer, yeah. you're kind of watching this movie and it's like super political. You you understand right away what the themes are that Nolan's trying to get across. And it's also like watching that movie as a filmmaker, I'm like, damn, I could never make a movie like this. Like it's so like to me, like empty space is like this cosmic horror film, but it's like about one person and how they deal right. with anxiety. Like the, the the overall theme is about a very personal conflict with your own mental health. Where Oppenheimer, it's just about Oppenheimer and his own conflict with how much he should have helped, how much he shouldn't have helped, whether doing something for a good cause really matters. But he uses it to kind of expand this entire thing about human humanity in general and mm-hmm. how like we are essentially always on the brink of our own destruction and we like play with it like it's nothing like we treat lives like they're nothing which is why i think it's important that Oppenheimer doesn't show the defects of japan because to a lot of those people in los alamos it it didn't matter like their lives didn't matter right and so you need to somewhere else yeah yeah you need to see like the ramifications of what happens when your villains do not have a face because in mm-hmm. the world of Oppenheimer, like you're fighting against World War II, Japan, and even the Nazis, they're always referred to as this big entity, but we never see them as human beings 
which is how so much of that's justified. It's only until after when they've dropped the bomb and they've destroyed two cities that they're like, oh yeah, there were oh, people fuck. in those cities, you know? Right, yeah. right. And so I think Nolan like using this huge, you know, this guy's life to tell a bigger story about how we as humans can like get tricked almost into inhumanity. It's like, I don't know, it's just like, holy shit. I mean, it's it's almost exactly like you were saying about like a director going up their own ass, like Asteroid City or Inglorious Bastards Mm -hmm. or something. It's like, that's what Oppenheimer and everybody in the entire scientific community was doing the whole time they were making Mm -hmm. the bomb. Like they were literally just... It's crawling up there. That's all they give a shit about. And like, whenever, like, <laughs> they're like, does he want to save the world or does he want to be the most important man of all time? Like, you know, both and a little, but like, yeah, like, he, so want, he wants it, like he, he wants to be the reasonable liberal, but also the guy who invented like the craziest bomb of all time. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And it's so funny, like, that line from Jurassic Park is so pertinent where he goes, you know, like, you guys kept trying to figure out whether, like, you were so focused on whether you right. could do it. That you never or like how to do it, but you never figured out if you should. And that's kind of what Oppenheimer's about. Like they're yeah. so focused on like how we can fix it. And they don't realize that they're opening Pandora's box, you know, and they're like by the time that bomb drops, the only thing they're worried about is when can we get the next bomb? And it's like, oh yeah, right. it's open now. There's no Yeah, that's like um you know, you know what scene I love in that movie. I mean not all of them. It's it's a really good movie. But um when he like goes to meet the president Truman yes. after, and it's, yeah, 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 it's played Which is by based uh, on a real story, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, this it, it's Gary Oldman with a fucking mm. Foghorn Leghorn accent. Yeah, <laughs> but, hello there, which Oppenheimer. Which is apparently you know true to life, but like Oppenheimer trying to like reason with him and him, him being like, "You didn't drop the bomb, I did." He's like, and Oppenheimer yeah, kind of really like, "Oh, all these people are like monsters. Like mm. I was stupid to think I was like." talking to like rational oh, you know right right i think yeah. it's so that when thing Los where, echo chamber. right it's, it's not so much that like uh the presidents and strauss are not like the th- it's not so much that they are like they're okay with it it's more that they've already justified it in their head right i'm yeah. saying they, to they, them it was never so, even a question of like is this right they, they've right. done it it's over just and that's and i think that's what makes on. it hard is it's the story of like he's trying to understand whether it was worth it but nobody else wants to think about it because the if you come to the conclusion that it's not you come to the conclusion that you're a monster you know like right it's hard up (laughs) that's a hard look in the mirror (laughs) right but but like to to me too there's there's something interesting in the movie kind of plays with this that like um you know obviously the the struggle is like he wants to be the father of the atomic bomb and but like he also wants to be a good person but it's also like if he hadn't done it he is right that it would have gotten done. And it's almost yeah. kind of like, do you want to be this person? Because this person will exist who creates the bomb. It's only a matter of time, you know, and it's like you not doing it won't make it not happen. So to me, that's like an yeah. interesting because it's like, do you bear the weight of that sin yourself personally, you know, to also right. be like yeah. historically known? I don't know. It's it's fascinating. It's also it's, it's one of those movies that... um. I rewatched it just recently. You know, I saw it in theaters, obviously great blasting in the seats and everything. Um, <laughs> those vibrating <laughs> seats that like shake you around. You did the I wasn't, I wasn't jerking I off in the seat. He but, was like, uh, oh, and then it I was those like, vibrating all, seats. All I could, cool. all I, I was enwrapped by Nolan's whimsical <laughs> visuals and his beautiful. It's like, like, wait, I'm at the Oppenheimer, the porno theater version. Yeah. Just right, right. Yeah. Was blasting, but uh, you're, uh, but no, you're, no. you're watching Oppenheimer. I barely know her. 
Yeah. <laughs> or no knee. God damn it. Um, they wouldn't even call it something that clever these days. It'd be like Oppenheimer pussy. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, wet ass Oppenheimer. But uh, no, like watching it even at home again and knowing like, oh, this is like a movie basically about like two subcommittee hearings. It's just as good. Like it's like, oh, this every scene flies by. It does not feel three hours. It's like, yeah. yeah. He has like 50 agree. character actors and they're all like good in whatever role he like put them in, you know? It's, yeah. It's just yeah. great. Yeah. It's good to be well made. I also, I also yeah. like when every once in a while, Russian or like thing. when you see these movies and then you're like, hey, they got Casey Affleck to be in one role. For oh, like yeah. One scene for no I thought yeah, he was like, like, hey, blacklisted. Like, yeah, there's Josh Hartnett. He's only going to be in the background yeah. for almost all this movie, you know? Like, it's kind of cool. <laughs> I always love when little... I see Josh Hartnett in a movie because he got, like, fucking bowled over. He got, he was so big and then he was nothing. And then he's, like, kind of something again. I know. It's very weird because, like, I feel like his acting hasn't changed, but people just have different perspectives. They almost, like, yeah. use him correctly a little more. Mm-hmm. At least Christopher Nolan did. He needs to be the smart guy. Yeah. yeah, but Oppenheimer, that's a good movie. Now let's yeah. uh, go see it. Go see it. And then, William, it should be to. your turn, but I have to go next and you'll okay. see why. Because I'm going to do my choice, which the year is 1947. We're in post World War II Japan <laughs> for my number one oh, pick, right. Godzilla. The sequel to Oppenheimer, Godzilla minus one. Of course. Now I assume. But I'm the only person who's seen Godzilla minus one in this group. I almost I actually have not. Shut <laughs> up. So close to seeing it. <laughs> I think like on one hand, as and as I'm a very big Godzilla fan, although I did not like Shin Godzilla, which everyone else seems to like. Um, I think like the you have two types of Godzilla movies. You have the very like, oh, he's just fighting a monster, it's not a real plot or anything going on. And then you have the ones that are a little bit more thematical and are a little bit smarter uh this one is it's also very interesting to see it with Oppenheimer because they have kind of the same theme where in this movie it follows a kamikaze pilot he encountered Godzilla in 1945 and he didn't do anything it's now 1947 everyone's living in poverty and Godzilla has mutated and has come back and is going to he, he take was a out a kamikaze his... pilot who decided not to go through with it yeah. you're saying Mm-hmm. And so Godzilla is uh, is back to kind of punish the Japanese. This guy is a kamikaze pilot who obviously did not go through the attack. And so he feels he let down the war efforts. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, again, like the best thing about the original Godzilla is that you see how Japan has reacted to being bombed. You, know? you saw that like in the original, there's that scene where the mom and the children are dying. Like Godzilla's coming to step on them and they're screaming like, Oh, we're going to join our, our dad who died in the war. You know, you see like, there's not, there's not this resentment in Japan. There's just this kind of like devastation that you feel in the movie. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And in this movie, you kind of see it as well. You see this, like the, the main characters are poor. They're literally living in the ruins of their old houses uh, the main character ends up with a wife and a child, kind of, but they're just like, it's a woman that he ran into who picked up a baby whose entire family was just slaughtered during the war. So it's just kind of this makeshift family and nothing feels real. It's kind of like kind of like how we are after COVID. We're like, it doesn't ever feel like we came back. Left. It just feels yeah. like 
things have continued. Yeah, you never like addressed the situation. Yeah, and Godzilla minus one does that in a very in a very profound way. And so you have these characters and they're doing this, and then this thing attacks and it has all of their biggest fears. I mean, it's literally nuclear, and they're doing the thing that they haven't done since the first one, where Godzilla is so radioactive that anywhere he walks is infecting people with radiation. Which means that he's just the he's just a humanity killer, you know. That that's and happening so, in this one. He like walks mm-hmm. around radiated. Oh fuck. Yeah, and so yeah. again, it's kind of like the the theme of the movie, and I won't spoil it too much. But the theme of the movie is just kind of like if our governments constantly fail us, then it's not up like the governments aren't going to save us. You know, if the governments are just there to kind of throw us to the wolves whenever a war is needed. Yeah. Then it's gonna real. It's gonna be us who saves each other. And I think, especially coming from Japan, I mean, I know Japan has been kind of uh, capitalized since World War Two, but to have such an anti-government kind of message in a Japan movie about Godzilla, it's it's interesting. And it's not necessarily saying government's bad. It's just saying to like, once a government gets to a point where they no longer care about you and they're more worried about international relations then yeah. it's going to have to be us who saves each other. Right. And another another great thing about it, which again, Oppenheimer kind of touches on, but this one touches on a little bit better, um, or more, it goes into more detail, I should say, is just the fact that like wars are devastating and we should be actively fighting against killing people. <laughs> Even yes. if you're at war, you should not be a kamikaze pilot or just murder randomly. I don't know if that has any uh, relations to anything that's going on right now, but let's just say (laughs) that even if you're at war, endlessly killing people is not the answer. And I think Godzilla minus one does that great. And I think like, you know, I think it's in relation to, and we can get to this a little bit later, especially as we talk to more movies, but I think like we're starting to see, because for a while, especially in big blockbusters, they just didn't have themes anymore. They were just like, oh, here's a cool movie check it out, like have popcorn, kind of forget about everything. Or they had yeah. baby themes like, oh, you can do it, Thor. You know, like you can be king. Like just yeah. believe in yourself. And I think like yeah. these movies, Barbie even, which I don't know if we're talking about, but Barbie does it. Oppenheimer clearly does it. Godzilla Minus One does it. Where they're talking about, I mean, Oppenheimer's themes are about like communism and how it works and stuff like that. Yeah. And this one is about like the loss of death, you know, Barbie's feminism and so I think like a return to form of like movies that are thematic and also big blockbusters is always welcome. Right. So go check out Godzilla Minus One. You'll probably have to see it online, but check it out when it comes out. It's a great movie. And it you works think, well with Oppenheimer. You, uh, yeah, you that's think kind the, of an interesting companion piece. Um, it is. Kong X Godzilla, The Final Empire will touch on the same things next year. I think Kong X Godzilla <laughs> is going to touch on Kong having a robot hand. Let's go watch it. Hell we'll yeah. see you next year, Kong versus Godzilla. Um, so now, William. I, and I did that just because Oppenheimer and Godzilla are right next to each other. So I was like, it makes more sense. Oh, of course. William, oh. now it's your turn. Okay, so this is a little bit lighter fare. Uh, and I just watched this, I think, last weekend but it really just stole my heart. But it was uh, The Holdovers. <laughs> with the Holdovers? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Body supremacy. What's up? It's, it's a good... The Holdovers... Why did you pick The Holdovers, William? I liked it because it felt like it was just such a weird return to, like, 
kind of like early to mid 2000s like indie comedies mm. and the the guy's name is escaping me right now the director what's his name alexander Payne. yeah yeah like so you uh you didn't do uh the year is 1970 i was gonna do that but i forgot professor <laughs> yeah i kind of the, the atomic bomb has been gone for a while and now we're discussing history with we should do every movie in relation to the atomic bomb <laughs> I, just, I just i was just like really surprised by it i didn't know it was coming out at all and then i saw the trailer and i was like wow that's like way back to like that kind of indie folk sort of jam that like that used to be like my entire life like back in the yeah. day, like, like my early years of college and like, I don't know, I just like Paul Giamatti is just such a good actor. And like, I really felt bad for the kid that was in the movie. And it, it just I feel like Alexander Payne just has a way of making everything just feel so mundane and also like so interesting and real at the same time. It's like and, kind of authentic, you know? Yeah, like really, like especially like Sideways and like about Schmidt. Um, he's made some more recent, like Nebraska was great. Uh-oh. Like the last one he came out with that one where people were small kind of sucked. But like, this was just, I don't know, everything about this just came together. And it was cold in Portland. It was like when like the ice was going on, and it was like a really snowy, cozy movie. And I don't know. I I was misty eyed the whole time. It made me like nostalgic, and I just I just loved it. I thought it was so good, and it ended up being my number one film. That's I don't know. Really, your number one? Wow, it's my number I, one. I, I could think. see it. it I think yeah. it's like I think one of the best things about it is it does kind of feel like this kind of. I got a lot of Harold and Maude. Yeah, um, definitely. Kind of feels Some, from like, that movie. stuff, yeah. But it's just kind of like, it almost feels like, oh, we only had enough money to rent this college campus for the summer break, you know? And like, yeah. everyone <laughs> kind of, like, even Giamatti, who's like one of the best actors we have, everyone looks real in that movie. Like, my mm-hmm. favorite character was the janitor who just kind of hangs out yeah, like, yeah. with them. And he's like, he doesn't have a bad life. He's just kind of like, yeah, man, I'm just here eating some cookies. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's like, you guys clean up the gym, you fucking idiots. <laughs> it was just like, like it just, rascals the whole time. It just yeah, like, it would be rascals that were sad. Like, yeah, and it definitely felt like oh yeah, this was made like in twenty in two thousand one. It would have been made for like five hundred thousand, you know, with yeah. camcorders, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I I think one of the things that Alexander Payne does well is he kind of captures this kind of feel where it's like that time after like you know like pretty much especially when you're in school after Thanksgiving. None of that feels real. Like you, you're going yeah, to class again. Yeah. You're like, we're only class for a it's week. It's like a waste of time. And we have yeah. tests. Yeah. yeah. Who fucking cares? Yeah. I know. It, it and so it, it feels the, like that in the movie. You know, feeling of being that. held over. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's you know it is funny too that like because even like Giamatti talking about it, it's like yeah yeah it's like a nice cozy movie but like Alexander Payne like hates if you call it like a nice cozy oh movie. really well <laughs> yeah he's like no it's like a real drama it's like it could be both I mean, it man is. Just I agree it could be calm both. down it yeah. is heavier than you would think but I think like yeah. that kind of makes it feel realer you know yeah I think but so it, too. it's definitely I don't know it's very it still feels really you're like oh I, I wish I was like held over at this private school to yeah exactly and just had meals every night made for me you know <laughs> with my hell no i wish i was on that ski trip with the rich kids that's where i want to go oh, i know those kids are awful <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah there were just like so many like, like tender how... moments like when the kid peed yeah. the bed and like the main character is just like okay well we'll fix it. like i don't know it's like it does such a good job of like making people like because no one's like a true asshole except for like movie characters i know it's all just like it's what happens when a bunch of people who don't really know how to be around other people have to be around each other it's kind of right 
Like there's that scene uh, where like Paul Giamatti, like the kid's gonna do a flip or something, and Paul Giamatti's like, "Don't do it," and then he does it. He like breaks his hand. And yeah. he's like, what? Why did you stop? You're supposed to be watching me. And he's like, right. well, I told you not to. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I, I, I do like that. The, the one rich kid gets like a mini arc where he's like refusing to cut his hair. And then the dad right. picks him up the helicopter. Then oh, by the time yeah. he gets back, he's like cut his hair. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. He finally sold conforms, out. You know, sold out for fun. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. No, movie. it's a good. It's definitely a good like watch it around Christmas time movie to me. Yeah, you know? I mean, because it literally takes place at Christmas, obviously. Right. So yeah, right. yeah. Good movie. Thanks. Okay, Josh. Oh, I'm up next. Sure, buddy. Okay, well here we go. The year is the year 2000. Two 12-year-olds in Korea <laughs> are on a play date. <laughs> but then their lives will separate. Yeah, justify it, buddy. <laughs> on you. What past lives, baby. Past oh, lives. I didn't see that movie. I didn't see Past Lives. It's good. It's, What's it about? Um, okay, what so it, it's what I said. Yeah, it's two two kids are born in Korea. They go on like one little play date when they're 12. They separate and then they kind of every like 12 years, well, almost every 12 years, yeah, they, they keep on meeting meet up circumstantially, but it's very, yeah. it's very like, I don't know. It's definitely one of those movies where it's like, oh, nothing's really happening. It's just kind of like life is happening, you know? Mm, totally. Um, And it's just kind of, it kind of just transitions like they meet and it, it, this happens and then they meet again, like a little bit down the road. And then this happens. It's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost hard to like pin down. Cause it's just, it's kind of like mundane. Like you said, like, yeah, it like, sounds mundane. Kind of a slice of life, <laughs> but, a slice of life, Andrew. But, but it's also, it's, it's also like economical. Like, Ooh, yes. damn. Josh, you're making me want to see this movie too much. <laughs> But it, like, it's a, it's a very practical on. film. No, but it, it's only like it's only an hour it's and a half. Very nice, and also <laughs> it's fun to be around. It's it's like it's it doesn't meander, but it's like oh, it's weird how like you feel these twelve years passing, even though it's only in like a ninety minute movie, you know, yeah. where, where nothing's really happening, and it's like you like get their sense of like you know like alienation as they kind of like drift apart and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's. It's it's a first time director, and I think she did a really good job. Hell yeah, S- yeah, I gotta Selena check that out. Song. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's almost it's almost like it's hard to like talk about it because it's like you almost just want to see right. it play out to see how yeah. their lives like kind of intersect and drift apart. Kind of the weird like you know because they're both Korean, but she's like lived in America since she's twelve, so she's like I don't really feel like Korean. Like this guy's super Korean, you know? Like, right, right, right. And he's and he's just like hey. I'm just trying it's to hang baby. out. So, hey, I don't baby. Know. It's, uh, it's in 12 years. Don't remember me from that past life we had? Yeah, remember that hot date <laughs> yeah. we had as 12 year olds? Hey, remember how mundane we were earlier? <laughs> remember how economical our conversation was? <laughs> I'm telling you, like, you're, you're going to no, watch it and you'll be like, I get it. Uh, it's, it's, it's similar to um, kind of a you like know, like before Sally? sunset type of it thing. It sounds right. like before sunset and before sunrise, which are some of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. It's so. it's kind of it has a similar like oh m- missed love vibe and you know what's gonna happen right, when they right. kind of like reconnect so yeah. like the checking mist. out yeah I gotta I check I, I'm gonna watch that I might watch that today actually that sounds really yeah. good 
think you'll have to buy it or rent it on Amazon Prime. I think it's rentable. Yeah. Go Watch rent it with your wife ways. to be like, look at how romantic I am and I understand movies. Look at how look at how economic <laughs> I am. Don't, uh, yeah. don't don't watch the Meg 2 like Andrew and be like, watch this. It's terrible. <laughs> it's on my list. Speaking, speaking of the Meg 2 next on my list. No, I'm just kidding. So next on my list was obviously Oppenheimer. So I'm going to leapfrog and hope that Josh picks up my next one because he just wasted one. Oh my god! With and so I'm picking my number two pick is going to be women talking, which I wanted to put on my list. You know that's not on my last list, year, uh, but I I didn't watch it until after. It's directed by Sarah Pauly, stars Rooney Mara, one of my favorite actresses, uh, and essentially it's about a bunch of women. There's like this cult in the '70s, and it's so isolated. Like they live in like Idaho or some shit, but it's so isolated. That like the women aren't allowed to read, they're not allowed to learn how to write, they're not allowed to go outside, obviously, um, and they've been getting raped numerously. Like a lot of their kids are products of rape, and the way that the men have been getting away with it is they've been telling them that it's either the devil who's doing it, or the devil has possessed one of the men and has done it. And so they finally caught them as they've tried to rape some of the younger kids, and the men have like taken two of the guys to jail. But they've realized that it's not just two of the guys. It's the whole society. So the whole movie is just the time that it takes for the men to get back from taking the other two to jail and, like, figuring all that up. And then they're going to immediately post bail. And so what the men tell the women is, like, hey, we're going to get back in about six hours. You either can forgive us and we go along with our life or you can leave. And so it's these women trying to figure out whether they should leave or not. And you that know the whole not movie. Not what I thought that movie was about at all. Oh, I know it's crazy. <laughs> Holy fuck. And so the whole movie it ends up being kind of a metaphor for like the way women are treated in society. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting to watch these women. I mean, like you just like the the great thing that Sarah Pauli does is she really like hits on how terrifying it would be to like again they don't even know what anything looks like outside of their farm. Like there's a flashback scene where some like kind of college kids are just kind of like playing a joke on them and they're driving through like playing music on their truck and they don't understand like what it is. And then they're like hiding from them, you know? And so it's just a really interesting, like the framing device makes it more interesting, but just the idea of like, it's a bunch of these women kind of talking about what makes them have value, you know, like obviously they don't have an education, but they're more than just like baby machines for these men to rape and discard you know and so right it's they a super interesting movie again so they don't have any exactly their own worth yeah yeah wow. and it makes it it makes it super interesting. i mean i also like if you don't like movies where they just talk for two hours you're probably not gonna like it it's it's, it's kind of structured it's kind of like a play where it's like someone gives a monologue and, I, and someone i want to say it is based it's, on a play gosh. oh yeah um, but i mean it, it stars rooney mara it has claire foil it has jesse buckley oh, yeah, so it's like an r-star cast i mean it has Frances McDonald, and she only has like one scene just to show you how stacked this cast is. The um, um who? When I looked it up, I was surprised. Frances McDonald. Frances McDormand. Frances oh, McDormand. Is that what she meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> buddy, if she didn't, if she didn't as, want me to call her McDonald, then she shouldn't have started her name as with a, a personal Mick. friend of the Coens. You think you would have gotten that right? I know. Um, Come on. No, I was like, oh yeah, this movie takes place in like eighteen Paul. the 1870s. Though this movie takes place in 2010, and you forget like, oh, there's that's are, right, like, it's 2070. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because it's like a Mennonite like colony, right. like ISIS. So like, oh yeah, there are like little 
tiny like religious colonies like that so and it's especially like yeah because you hear about these things and you always hear about them after the fact about these colonies where it's like oh yeah they're just 40 people they're all related and they just like escaped one day you know yeah and so i think like it's an interesting way to view cult movies it's an interesting way to like kind of adapt this feminist critique and it's just yeah. a very interesting movie and it has great performances so women talking i would have included it last year but i couldn't so i put it on this year but it's cool. a very good movie yeah, it's on amazon great. prime go check it out yeah i think yeah. i watched it like three times the first week and i was just like so enthralled with the dialogue right um, there's a there's yeah. a book that came out like in the 80s i think that's kind of having a resurgence right now called uh i who have never known men mm. and it sounds like really really similar but uh i've been trying to find it in bookstores but i can't find it anywhere but it's crazy that i had i don't i don't know what i thought the women talking was about but i had no idea that's what the story was it sounds like i know i didn't either crazy as hell yeah i thought it was gonna be like about women on the plantation like in the 1900s and like how they lived so i was like i yeah. don't really care that much about that that's but then what i started I watching it. too <laughs> yeah i started yeah, watching I, it and i was, was like holy like, shit what is this movie about <laughs> this is crazy cool but yeah very good yeah good movie check it out right so okay, we, we did two boring ones it's up to you to pick a third boring one william. Yeah, william okay well this is a this is a boring one that's actually fucked up um <laughs> it's called may december did you guys see that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I put may december on that. yeah I that's my it. number two that's my number that's two crazy damn <laughs> that movie's a crazy number two i love it okay uh, man you know i, 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 I even... fully understand you though right yeah. right i had never heard of it i didn't know anything about it and i was like making breakfast for us and leslie just like put it on and i started watching it and i was just like I couldn't look away at any moment. Like the whole movie, I was just like fucking sucked in. And like Julianne Moore sometimes gets like really on my nerves, but like everything that she was doing to be like such a weird fake person was like just so perfect. And the, the, her lover husband being like such a shell of a man who's raising kids was just like so devastating. And then Natalie Portman is just being such a fucking weirdo the whole time. And the score, like the piano, that's just like, just the, like, like out of nowhere, yeah. soap opera stings. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, dude, I had such a fucking blast watching that movie. It was so, so good. May, it was so May good. De- May December is a Netflix film. It's about and it came. Well, I was gonna say it came out last year, but of course it did. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's about a an actress who meets this family and she's trying to like get into the role because she's playing the mom, and then you find out that the mom was a, originally like the husband's teacher. And they got together when they were like 15 mm-hmm. and now, and then she went to jail and she got out and now they've like gotten married. It's very, it's based on that very famous case whose name I remember, right. which is probably for I the think best. it's in Florida. Because they did not like this movie. But I think yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think it brings up, and I almost oh, wanted the, to the bring Latornos. this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost wanted to bring this up when Josh was talking about Oppenheimer. And because one of the cool things about Oppenheimer is that uh, like water plays a main theme in the movie. And so he sees, like, these droplets, and that's how he kind of sees the world. And then they, like, cut to, like, the bombs dropping, and you see the same kind of imagery, like, because it looks like water kind of falling on, yeah. on the planet. But then there's a there's a suicide in the middle of the movie, and, like, you realize, like, oh, like, water is kind of following Oppenheimer around. Like, it's a theme. And luckily, you know, like, not luckily, but, like, it just happened to be that the person who killed themselves killed themselves using the tub, so Christopher Nolan was able to make yeah. that connection. But May December kind of like brings this up, like this whole idea of like when you're telling a movie, like if you're telling a fictional story, how accurate do you have to be and how accurate 
should you be and how like morally correct is it to be as accurate as humanly possible you see know? I, and also I, how accurate not... is a person by recounting their own life like exactly. how much do you actually give away about your own existence especially whenever you're such a weirdo like whenever you're especially with something so that you might up. not even be telling yourself the truth about exactly but, but like it, it's not supposed to be exact like it's not the same names or care like it's like they changed right enough. right Right, which which is weird that the the family or whatever is like you guys got these parts wrong. It's like we got part of your yeah. sex crime wrong. Calm down. <laughs> well, and we I got think... the most explosive part wrong. I don't but, think and so. And I think that 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 makes it even to me that kind of like brings it to the forefront because afterwards, the actual people got like they're like, well, this movie's based on it's clearly based on us, but they like didn't come to us, and it's like yeah, that's kind of what the whole movie's about, like. Do you go up to them, especially if you're telling a story mm-hmm. where like the purpose of May December is not to tell the story of the Laternos or whoever they are. It's yeah. to talk about this idea of like, you know, I've heard it even like, you know, on one hand, I understand that people will watch movies way more than they'll learn about the real events. So the mm-hmm. more inaccurate you are, the more you get a lemming situation where like for years, people yeah. thought that lemmings jump off a cliff because Disney pushed them off the cliff. But on the other hand, if I'm trying to tell a story, like, why is it, why do I have to be accurate if I'm telling an, an interpretation of something, you know? Like, right, right. If I was telling a story about Star Wars, I don't have to be accurate, you know? So why should it happen? Like, one of my favorite movies is Social Network, and Mark Zuckerberg has come out of me like, well, a lot of that's wrong, and it's like, who gives a shit? The story it's, is about, like, a guy's obsession, you know? And so right. it doesn't have to be accurate. Yeah, just emotionally accurate. And the, it's, what's uh, kind of funny it, about like these kind of like true stories too is like even if you know that it's like a, a a new representation, it's like you still kind of always have those movie facts in the back of your head when you're thinking about the real story, even if you know they're like not true. Like I know that Mark Zuckerberg was not the Zuckerberg portrayed in Social Network, but there's a part yeah. of me that just truly believes that he is that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jesse Eisenberg. Every time I see Zuckerberg wishes. in the news, yeah, yeah. yeah if anything, cool that, that like him having human motivations would would be a benefit. Um, yeah. Now you know you know like um, there there's there's two like two two things in this movie I love. Um, May December is because um, in every. And this movie almost like plays on like your expectation of this because in like every movie where it's like high schoolers and stuff, almost every movie, they'll age them up. It'll be like 22 year olds playing like high schoolers or middle schoolers or whatever. It's always like an older actor. Um, And then there's one part where um, Nellie Portman is the actress is going through like auditions for the kid. And it's like literal, like twelve year olds, yeah. and it makes you feel so gross because you're like, right. "Oh my god, she did that to like a child," you know? Yeah, like, and, yeah. it, and it's truly like disgusting to think about. Right. Um, and then Natalie Portman season is like, "Can we get like someone sexier?" You know? And it's like she yeah, just immediately yeah. <laughs> like bypasses it. Um, right. I, I love that, and I love that because uh, they they make a big deal that like like oh this big time actress is coming. But every time someone's like, right. oh, I love you in the show Nora's Ark, it sounds like the most dog yeah. shit, like TBS. Yeah, like, the most like on-streaming like, bullshit. Ever. Yeah, where, where she's just like a veterinarian or something. Um, <laughs> and she's and so lucky the, to have the part. Yeah, like you, you see her at the end doing the movie and it's just dog shit lifetime quality yeah, like right. film. You know, it's like, oh, that was all for nothing. You know, right, like, right. right. <laughs> when I think about it, like, you know, I think so of... Funny. I think of art as like a medium and how like, I don't know, I think movies are especially inclined to this where people treat movies almost like, I mean, even afterwards, this movie came out, 
And there was this huge controversy about like, oh, it's it's funny. Like people think this movie's funny, but it's about such a dark thing. And it's like, I know, but a lot of these movies, especially this one, which is very clearly like a satire and it's a dark comedy. Yeah. Like one of my favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes is like there's a scene at the beginning where she they're like having a party. And she opens the refrigerator and she's like, I don't know if we're going to have enough hot dogs. And then it plays like this creepy theme, like as if it's a big revelation. And then it cuts to so many fucking hot dogs. Yeah, millions so many of hot fucking dogs. hot dogs. And it's like, you know, one of my favorite movies, again, it's dealing with this kind of same thing, but it's Little Children. And Little Children is hilarious. Yes, very but similar it's, movie. It's dealing with like a dark subject. And I think like this idea of it, if you're dealing with a dark subject, it can't have jokes. And I think the next movie we talk about will probably also go against that but i think it's this weird thing where like netflix and streaming like you know there's a lot of bad stuff to it but i think one of the great things about it is that it's made these movies like last year we talked about tar this year it's made december Mm -hmm. these movies that like a lot of the public wouldn't necessarily go out for or or watch but because it's just putting on a netflix movie and everyone's kind of talking about it already oh let's check out this movie and then you do which makes it like a little bit harder because you have people who've like They've only watched Moulin Rouge or Jaws or Fight Club, and they don't really have seen anything like complex. And so, you're, you're like Kaiser Sose. Nothing right groundbreaking here. at all. Yeah, they've never seen anything. Their brains are mush, and so Come like on, they have people. to deal. They have to deal with this. These kind, like you know, if you think about it, if you've only seen you know Ant Man and then you see May December, and you try to watch them through the same lens, it's going to be very hard. And, totally. But I think like people working through these complicated stories, it makes them not better viewers, but it makes them like more susceptible to better or not better, but like more complex art. And so yeah. I think that that's good. And I think like, even though that conversation can get kind of annoying, cause you get like a million, like, I, I don't can't believe you laughed at this. You still have those right. people who are like, maybe they never would have checked out May December before. And now they got to see this kind of, weird, weird camp, <laughs> dark yeah. film that like right. it just has a theme that you're not going to find in like the popcorn aisle and so yeah i think it's it's good to have these kind of movies and i think that movies it's a fun one i think natalie portman yeah like more. like the popcorn aisle like blockbuster still exists and someone's walking down it to to check for it that's mm-hmm. yeah yeah but blockbuster famously the only place you get popcorn and watch movies yeah yes well, that'd be where you have the eye. You don't have separate aisles at the movie okay. theater. Okay, when you go to a movie theater and you go into concessions and you get in the line, what are you in? The Not an aisle. aisle. Oh, not popcorn aisle. But you're in a popcorn boy. line. You're you know there's a bunch line. of lines? What do you think a line is? Okay? And I know for well, a in fact that... the two lines is an aisle. I, I know for a fact at Regal in Hillsboro, there's the candy thing which separates the lines. Which makes it into well, they they there show you every, go, they baby. Show every movie at the theater. Oh, this is what happens. <laughs> All right, moving on, okay. moving moving, moving on. to the next aisle. <laughs> Let's get to the next aisle, guys. Josh, tell us why Ant Man and the one Squad. <laughs> That's what it, you know. I actually did see that. Was that last year? The Ant Man. I I don't I know. It. I know. I, I saw tell you a, a movie. single thing that happens. I saw a movie and I was like, "Holy shit, that was last year." I remember. Yeah, what it was. I, think it was I, I did have to check my letterbox a few times to be like, "What came out this year?" It's yeah. It yeah. Was I had to look at the Wikipedia page. Um, wait, wait, wait! Is this the start of the last ones? Yeah, I guess so. What's it? 
Okay, no, what we'll do is we'll do our last one and then we'll kind of say what we left off the list. Um, Josh, go ahead. Uh, my third pick coming in hot behind past lives. The year is 1919. All right. Damn. A young Ernest Burkhart returns from World War One to live with his whoa, whoa, brother. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He sounds like a good guy that's going to What does he find? <laughs> Only good times. Love. A lot of fun. Killers Financial of the flower success. moon. <laughs> <If> you, <laughs> he does if, find both. If you were to money. ask... If you were to ask whether he loves money or not. Oh, you know, man. Okay. What I think I really like oh, about this movie is that Leo... Oh, what's that? Josh, tell us what this movie's about before we get Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, so, yeah, a bunch of white people conspire to murder and steal the wealth of the Osage members um, of, like, the tribe in uh, Oklahoma. In the so the Osage... The Osage tribe found oil. Yeah, they got land. super rich from oil, but they're... Native Americans and the white people are like, well, we want that money. So yeah, we'll control the money. We're just going to kill and steal until we have all of it. And that's kind of yeah. what happened. So, and so, well, William, you were going to say something. Uh, just a really random throw off. But uh, I think that this is one of Leo's best performances because I think that Leo is extremely good at playing like a dumb yokel. Like, yeah. <laughs> he is so fucking good. Like at that role, like I, yeah. I've never seen him really do it before. And like, I don't know. He just felt so true. <laughs> like, not like yeah, I'm saying he, I mean, he's he dumb or anything. He but truly he because so like good. he is like such a dumb fuck in this. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like the best Leo performance I've seen, maybe since well, Titanic. And, and a little, a little uh, hint is that in March there will be a deep dive talking more about this movie. But I think one of the interesting things about it is like I saw this movie and I was not that hot on it. I was like, what the fuck? Like there was that criticism against like, why would you focus on the white people and not the Osage? And I kind of, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, it's kind of weird that you focus so much. But as after I left, I couldn't get it out of my head. I kept thinking about the scenes and the characters mm -hmm. and I went to go watch it again, which is impressive considering it's like five hours long. Yeah. Um, and the second time I understood what Marty was doing. It's just kind of like, you know, you and T Tarantino does this a little bit too, but Marty does it in such a grosser way <laughs> that it makes you kind of feel bad. Where like Ernest, like he gets married to one of the, the people in the tribe, Molly, and he essentially like poisons her for years. And he, the whole point is mm -hmm. that he's trying to kill her and take her money. And you know, I, I know there's a lot of debate in like, oh, well, he didn't love her. He just he just was doing it to kill her. But I think it's this way that like they didn't see the Osage County people as people. They saw them yeah. as like below them as a species. Mm -hmm. And when you see that, like, I think Ernest loved Molly. It's just that he didn't he loved her the way that someone loves a pet, you know, where, you know, if, at the end of the day, if your dog has a surgery that's too much, you're not going to like. You know, there's nothing you can do yeah. in a way that you wouldn't do it to humans. And that's how they saw these people. And that yeah. makes their crimes so much more horrific. But if you don't see it from their point of view and like Robert De Niro plays one of his best roles and it's like scary. Yeah. He's like the mm -hmm. he's like the best friend of yeah. them and he's like trying to kill them all. And it's just like these, this way where like they say that they love them and they mean it. It's just that their love isn't the same love that they have for each other, for themselves. Right. It's this warped love where they see them as lesser. 
that makes yeah, the condescending love yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like to them too. It's like, and it's almost it's almost interesting because like Robert De Niro is like, um, you know, kind of like he's like kind of smart and conniving. His name like is King. King. Oh yeah, he's the king. His um, name is King. Yeah. <laughs> he he sees he like to him he's like oh yeah I love these people but that's not going to get in the way of business you know right. like I'm still going to rob and kill them because that's that's just good business for me mm-hmm. but with like Ernest he truly is that stupid that he cannot see like mm-hmm. oh poisoning my wife is bad and like right. I, I like he can't you can't love and poison her like he's that dumb that right. it yeah. just never occurred to him that he was essentially like committing this great evil you know yeah. right he was just doing what and his I, uncle told him to do right and, and william as as one of our resident Scorsese lovers, would you say that this is one of his darkest films? Because I say it is. I mean, I think you could say that. Um, I think that this is probably the darkest thing he's done in a long time. Yeah. And since I after think that, hours. like, what's up? Since yeah, after since hours. After <laughs> 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 no, I, I felt like I got like a lot of like departed vibes from this movie, mm-hmm. actually. Really? Like, like not like the story or anything, but just like his yeah. filmmaking style was kind of like back to like, like whenever people get shot, it just like happens like right in front of your face, right, just like right. out of nowhere. And it's like the music was like old country hits, but like by people in the twenties. And it's like it just felt like kind of like a mix of like The Aviator and The Departed. And yeah. I, I would say like the first half of this movie, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy. The last half of the movie. I, it fell off a little bit for me. I was a little bit less interested because I felt like I'd kind of already gathered the message. Although I did love right. the Lucky Strike radio scene. Mm, yeah, like, I think uh, the Lucky the Strike. End, yeah. Well, I think two things of the ending. I think one of the great things about the second half is that, like, eventually the FBI shows up to figure out who's been killing yeah, every member. Jesse Plemons and, comes into the mix. And Jesse Plemons, and they literally solve it like in two minutes. Like these guys weren't smart. right. These guys weren't yeah. good criminals. It's just nobody gave a shit about this entire population. And I think, like, yeah. again, to me, that just kept repeating in my head and why I think this movie's so dark. Because it's this way that, like, these... The Osage people, like, they've been treated horribly by the government. The government have put them on this land that they thought was dead. And they gave it to them specifically because there was not, you couldn't even grow wheat on the land. And yeah. then they find this oil and suddenly they're worth something. But then they start getting murdered, and so they realize that despite all the money, despite all the power, they're still not worth anything to the government. They're still right. not they, worth they, anything to the whites. And they couldn't and even spend their own money. Yeah. They, could, they, they, yeah, they, they, they had like to go to the permission. fucking... And like the KKK guy, the KK, yeah, <laughs> yeah, who like like you find out the like wizard of the KKK, yeah. you know, and there's just yeah. no fucking. And I just, think yeah. And so to have the FBI just kind of come in and be like, "Oh yeah, I was killing you guys." That was easy. Yeah. You know, it kind of shows <laughs> that like at any point this massacre could have ended, and at any right. point like we were done. And I think the radio show at the end where Scorsese does a cameo and he kind of talks about how he. Uh, you know, nothing happened afterwards. Like Molly yeah. just died. You know, she it just turns there. into a true crime podcast. It just turned, and it, it kind of comes this way that we, you know, again, not to relate it to anything that's happening right now, but we see these horrific images, and we just kind of like, yeah, I mean, what else is going on on Twitter? You know, like, and I know, like, some of us, you know, a lot of us right now care about what's going on in Palestine and that and Israel, but it's also this way that it's like, how much can we do? Like, how much can 
we turn away before it's like so horrific that we can anymore. And I yeah. think we're kind of seeing that now, but also I think back then, like, you know, you, it took Scorsese, like I hadn't heard about this Osage murders until this. And yeah. they are like the Oklahoma, like they talk about the Tulsa bombing in the movie. Same thing with Tulsa. We didn't hear mm-hmm. about Tulsa and we lived in New Mexico and in Texas. Like we're not that far yeah. away, you right. know, for right. us, for them to not cover this. Or even like I think about the story of the Alamo and how it's repeated over and over again about this heroic last stand by these heroic Texans against these dirty Mexicans, and it's like, oh yeah, but they're fighting to keep slaves. They wanted right. to be more. They wanted to keep being racist, <laughs> you know. And it's like, okay, but don't forget, but don't but don't forget them. And I think like the way that Scorsese kind of brings that up, like I shouldn't be the one who tells this story, but the reason that mm-hmm. you're sitting here is because I'm the one telling the story where he kind of condemns everyone in the audience as well as himself. I think it's like, unless you're Scorsese, you wouldn't think to do that. And I think Scorsese is so smart that he's able to scold yeah. us without like us feeling like we're being scolded. You know? Right. Right. And like, that's like definitely like why, or maybe why he chose to focus not necessarily on the native Americans because they know the story. I'm sure anybody mm-hmm. who is connected to it already knows how fucking dicked over they got constantly. Right. And it's like, I feel like right now we're just kind of in like this major generational shift of like white people figuring it all out or like white people, like what is the, what's the phrase? Fuck around and find out. White people are yeah. finding out <laughs> a lot right now. <laughs> and like, that's exactly. kind of like, yeah, I, think I mean, it needed to happen, yeah, but like that's the, that's the, what we all, that's what we're doing right now. You know, it's almost like to me, it's, there's almost like a commentary of like, cause you know, like, you know, like Goodfellas and, and stuff. It's almost like, oh, here's like the lives of you know these like criminals who are essentially just parasites you know on the community but it's yeah. like okay what 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 happens when you take that to its most extreme you right, know like right, like right. like because right. like, he's not a good guy in goodfellas but you could see why you'd be like oh i you know that's like a i could see why you'd want to have his cool criminal life but in mm-hmm. this you're like oh this is like repellent like these people yeah. are like the scum of the earth you know and it's just it's yeah. almost like how do you like push it to that level of like the ultimate, you know, predators this piece of shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't know. How, it's... how evil could this guy get, you know? Yeah. Also, I wanted a couple shout outs. Uh, the guy who is the accountant slash grand wizard dude, I believe he is the guy from the famous scene in no country for old men. Yeah. The yeah. Call it, which was yeah, my favorite guy. part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then also from No Country, the uncle who has all the cats at the very end that talks to Tommy Lee Jones Mm, and he's like in a wheelchair. I believe he played like the coffin salesman who told Leo like, I work for my job. I don't just sit around. And I was like, wow, we got fucking Coen brother character actors here. (laughs) Yeah, It kind of had a Coen-y kind of feel to it like the whole movie did. It did. My favorite, one of my favorite parts is that one guy, the like guy who literally looks like a snake where he's like, what if I adopt these kids and kill them? Yeah, get their shit? Kelsey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just with a well, I had no legal yet. <laughs> Even the KKK guy is like, if you can't just tell me you're gonna adopt them to kill them, because then if they get killed, I'll know that you have done it for that reason. And he's like, well, I'm not gonna do it if it's not legal. And it's like, of yeah. course it's not legal. <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And again, that's one of those things like like again just the blackest of comedy because that scene yeah. isn't yeah. like that was the hardest laugh line in the theater when i saw right. it because it's so yeah. absurd it's so monstrous too you know right good pick that's one of my Scorsese. favorite movies of the year what a yeah, what a director 
And because of that, because of what Josh just did, I have to go to my next pick. My, I guess, final pick. Better of not the be year. the Meg to the trench. And I think that sometimes, guys, when we're talking about movies, we've talked about a lot of movies, a lot of themes. There's no more important theme than family. That's why my final oh, pick. Fuck you. It's Fast X. The best yeah. movie of the year. I didn't after, see it. After falling a little bit in Fast 9 and 8, Fast X has returned full throttle. Okay. Because it's a car. It's what you do in a car, too. I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, when we were talking about godzilla and oppenheimer and how we're like sometimes there's movies that are just for popcorn sake yeah guess what guys vin diesel has created the ultimate movie for that because there's no family of kernels yeah you can't there's not one brain cell involved in this movie there's only vibes this movie only lives on vibes uh, the like the Place in the year, whatever, because every fast movie takes place in some kind of twenty. Well, now they they finally caught up. Yeah, my favorite thing, like, okay, so Vin <laughs> Diesel, hey, it's kind of like uh, there's like a Family Guy episode where they talk about how you can't just like make a Fast and Fierce movie; you have to like make it from Vin Diesel's brain, and I think that that's a hundred percent true because like Vin Diesel's always like this movie's gonna go for Oscars, and it's like the movie where you drive down the Hoover Dam as it explodes, you think that movie's <laughs> going to get off? And he does. And because of that, there's always this weird sincere, like sincereness to his franchises, which makes it a lot more fun. And this one, like, it has Jason Momoa. It has John Cena. Like, none of them really, like, have any point. Like, there's, like, five... Like, they literally kill a character and everyone's real sad and then a character comes back to life that's been dead for, like, three episodes. And it's, like... So are we really sad about this other character? Because we know he's going to come back to life. Like, they always come back to life. And so it's just fun. It's like spending a weekend watching Saturday morning cartoons. And it has the same logic as those cartoons as well. I like that. um, And I haven't seen the newest couple of them. But I like that they never kill the villain. The villain just eventually joins their, like, Black Ops team in some way. So the team (laughs) is, like, 12 people at this point. Like, there's literally a scene. So in... Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Han Solo. I love Tokyo Drift. That's my favorite Fast and Furious film, by the way. Han Solo is killed in a in a random car accident. But then in Fast Five, you find out that that car accident wasn't random. It was actually Jason Statham driving that car for reasons unknown. And then in Fast (laughs) Seven, you find out that the reasons that he did it was because of his brother or something. It doesn't matter. And then in Fast Ten. Han, no, in Fast 9, Han comes back to life. And they're like, how did you live? And he's like, I'm just fast. And it's like, okay, we'll accept that. Han is so fucking cool. He's easily the coolest of all the Furiosos. In Fast 10, because by this point, Jason Statham has turned into a good guy and he helps him, even though the fact that they killed one of his closest friends, it's not really brought up. It's like terrorists who've killed like hundreds of people joined the team. They're like, it's all good. And then, by the way, the team of VCR thieves, which is what they were in the first one. Oh, yeah. Robin Simmons. And so then Han and Jason Statham like fight for five minutes and they have like a tie. And then they're friends again. Like, that's how every relationship... Like, if you killed me, but we got into a little fight and gave each other, like, an acknowledgement that we're both tough guys, it's all... All is forgiven in this universe. 
And they've also brought in Brie Larson for literally no reason. But she gets to have fun. <laughs> something that Marvel did not let her do. So, yeah. again, 10 out of 10, I give Fast X. I give Fast X, Hell X yeah. out of X. That's Good tight. job, guys. Go check it out. This is, the only, this is the only end of the year list where Fast 10 will take prominence. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's true. William, what is your last pick? Okay. Mine's kind of in the same vein. Uh, just total fucking popcorn, like, comfort. And if I'm being honest, I totally forgot about this movie until I was like going back to like the Wikipedia movies of 2023, and I don't even really remember exactly what happens in this movie. But I remember <laughs> this just is all loving, good. I'm so glad I was we're loving it about so much when I was watching. You're like it, the I, horse I soldiers of Benghazi. That's what it was. <laughs> no, it was, it was Dungeons and Dragons. The oh, oh my god, the Chris that was Pine actually movie. my number five. That oh, was dude, one of my it was so guns. good. That was when I, I was, I was that, so surprised. I was so when, fucking taken when I watched it. I was, was like, "That was pretty good." And then it weirdly stayed with me. I was like, "That was fun." Like yeah, I kept dude. thinking about it, like because it's almost like it's almost like a Marvel movie, but not right. tiresome the way they are. Yeah, like it's like it's it somehow recaptured it. watching it's, like a Marvel movie in like 2010. It know? does yes, feel like a yeah, Marvel yeah. movie where like now Marvel has replaced cleverness with references to other Marvel properties. And right. this movie, since it doesn't have right. other reference or other properties, it's just clever. And I think that that yeah. helps. Yeah. It's like very the Jonathan joke is very clever, you know? Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> MVP of the year, Jonathan. Um, yeah. No, it totally, it was one of those where I was like, maybe I should play Baldur's Gate again, you know? <laughs> like right. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, Now's your time. Yeah. It, you know? <laughs> no, what a, what a good it, pick. And it shows yeah. um, Chris Pine's charismatic lead actorness. I know he, he needed to win it back after Wonder Woman two, where you're yeah, like, oh man, yeah. no one's trying in this. Yeah. Get back to Kirk. <laughs> Get back to our original much, Kirk boy. Much like Gal Gadot won back the audience in Fast X, which we just <laughs> was she in Wait, Fast is Gal X? Gadot in Fast X? Yeah, she comes back to life. Damn, she also comes back. Yeah. I thought she would be the one who'd stay dead. Who would have thought? Hmm. Well, after Wonder Woman two, her and The Rock. After Wonder Woman two and Black Adam. Her and the Rock were like, let's get let's get back into the driver's seat. Let's get back into the great. <laughs> let's let's yeah. rejoin the yeah. family. Someone call up Vin. Right. Time yeah, Vin Diesel back. is he's a necromancer of weird careers. He's yeah. just like, come to me, boys. Daddy needs more kids. <laughs> I do, and I I honestly like wonder if Dungeons and Dragons is main fault is that it it was made like I feel like this movie if it had been allowed to stay in theaters it would have gone like a cult following and like eventually like become pretty big you know. Yeah, because it like went to Paramount Plus within like a month, it didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to like get that. Yeah, audience. I think I do think it was one of those where it had good enough word of mouth. It like barely made its money back after like six months, yeah. but it didn't like profit. But you'd also think like I don't know. I mean, who knows? All those companies are just like firing everyone, setting money on fire. But could yeah. get a sequel. I mean, I, I'd be there. Yeah. yeah, I would like to see. I like to see adventures. Yeah, and you could even like do spinoffs. It's like such an imaginative world. Yeah. yeah. No rules. Yeah. No yeah, it was rules, good. Just I right. just remember fucking. It was just such a. I watched it in bed. I didn't even like plan on yeah, watching it. It was just kind of like it's a such random a romp. It's just yeah. a movie. Yeah, that you yeah, start just watching. a fucking romp. <laughs> so it there's like, like a... if if you saw that movie when you're 13, you're like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it'd be your favorite Absolutely. movie for 10 years yeah. if that happened. Ultimate stoner yeah. action adventure bullshit. So good. <laughs> 
fucking love this. Good times. Okay. So now, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, you got some movies that maybe you want to check out now, or maybe you haven't seen, or maybe you're like, hey, Fast Five is on Peacock. Watch Past Lives, despite my poor defense of it. No, that sounds great. Fast Life sounds good. Women talking. You actually should. I think William will really like it. Andrew, classic hater. Who knows? But correct. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what I'll (laughs) think in my past life about that movie? Yeah, Andrew, take a slice out of your life and just watch it, okay? Yeah, I did like. Be mundane. He's like, I can't watch a movie about family unless someone's driving a car from one tower in Dubai to the next tower in Dubai. Yeah, please. I can only watch a movie about more zip lines. I can only watch a movie about relationships if they have until sunset to talk. Um, <laughs> but check it out. Oh, but before we go, Josh, and then we're also going to put our lists online. But before we do that, Josh, do you, are there any ones that you might want to mention in a, in like a sentence or two? Oh, like that we didn't nights? talk about? Yeah. Uh, we covered a lot of my list. Uh, I will say I like um, The Killer by uh, What's-His-Face. I can't think of it. David Fincher. Yeah. Love in this guy. This guy. This might go in the wrong way. Um, It was one of those that I was like, that was pretty good. And then it kind of stayed with me. And I was like, no, that was actually like quite good. It's very like, it's like, oh, a super rote story. But then it just really, he's like, he's so good at making movies that you're like, oh yeah, you're like an auteur. (laughs) Like he can make like a basic ass. Remember when we said sentence or two? Yeah, this is one really long run-on sentence. Um, let's let's um, put that let's put a period there. <laughs> but yeah, that's my like. Throw that was the only there. one. Well, that was that was the only one of my top five that we haven't talked about. So, mm. oh, yeah, that was. What great. was the other I one that we talked too. about? We talked we talked about everything else. Oppenheimer, oh, Past Lives, Kills the Flower Loon, D and D was my number five. Ah, um, hell yeah. And then I have a ten, but you know, whatever. Ten's kind of a bunch of safeties. Okay. Yeah. William. Uh. Uh, Talk to me, the horror movie that came out. I don't think Andrew mm. liked that one, but I think Josh liked it. That was, it was I okay. It was fucking great. I liked um, it. I like when she goes to hell for like thirty seconds. It's like yeah. Yeah. that and ending I, fucking ah, blew me away. That ending yeah. is really what sold me on it. Um, yeah, that You're like one, I love Greek people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also had uh, Barbie and Bottoms as well. Oh, Bottoms, yeah. I love Bottoms. Yeah, Bottoms, yeah. So good. Bottoms, I couldn't stop laughing the whole time. I almost slayed. I almost wish we had talked about Barbie, but yeah, it wasn't on my list. I know, I wanted to put it on mine, but I was like, well, these other ones I thought were a little bit closer to my heart. Barbie, I feel like, is maybe not a white dude's movie, which is kind of the whole problem. Yeah, it's almost like you want to talk about it, but it's like, do we have 30 minutes to talk about what's, you know, the controversy and stuff? It's also like, do we really need three dudes to jump into the Barbie conversation? Yeah. That's why I didn't. I had a trouble. Should women even be making movies? The answer is, they should just be talking. The answer is yes. Yeah. Women Should talk? women even be talking? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but they do be doing it. My God. <laughs> but that's pretty much um, it. I think I had something uh, else up here. Oh, I didn't hate Elemental, but I didn't put it on my list. That's not oh. a recommendation. <laughs> I know. Also, I didn't hate that it was either. Fun. I, I did have, um, for animation, I thought the Ninja Turtles movie was good in Spider-Verse, but they were near the bottom of the list. Oh, I didn't oh. see Spider-Verse yet. I got to watch Spider-Verse. S- when you said Elemental, I thought you meant that movie with Mark Wahlberg where he goes back in time. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, no, the Pixar okay. movie where the fire guy cries or the water guy cries. Oh. It's a water guy and a fire woman. Yeah. Yeah, like she like, owns a restaurant or something. It. Yeah, it was fun. 
I thought Leave the World was decent. It was like a Mr. Robot guy movie where nothing really happens. With Josh, we already oh, went over you. Yeah. I just that saw that movie like I five days ago and I was like, that's pretty good. You you know? I liked it too. Okay. <laughs> Maestro. We all loved Maestro. Let's, let's bring up Maestro. We didn't see Maestro. Okay, on I, my list, uh, I don't know why Josh is talking after he's already gone. <laughs> Uh, the only ones I like, I had the killer bottoms almost made it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, two more that almost made it new religion, which is a film out of South Korea. I think it's That's on Amazon Prime. You check it out. It's, it's trippy. It's not, it's about this woman and she's like kind of a prostitute, but she goes to this guy's house and he doesn't want her to do prostitute stuff. He just wants her to like ex- work on this experiment and it's fucking weird as Whoa. shit. And then he might be like badass. dead. William, you would fucking dig the shit out of it. <laughs> yes, it's all red. Crazy. Like, the, all the cinematography <laughs> is in red. It's fucking cool. cool. It's red, like, the whole movie's in red? No, like just whenever he goes into his apartment, because he's, like, no. scared of lights, of artificial lights. So he only has, like, a red light that lights everything, and he has, like, a TV. And then he, like, just Whoa. makes a girl watch it, and there's, like, other prostitutes. It's a very strange movie. What a character. It's super cool. It's on Prime. Go check it out. And then, okay. of course, the other movie... Is I have to represent, and for the last time ever, I have to represent my Latina queens from Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera. Scream Six, welcome to New York. Oh, my oh, favorite. Pretty good. The, my favorite. Well, okay, here's the thing I like Scream One a lot because it's a very smart thriller that's kind of a take on horror films, and I don't like any of the other screams, but I like Scream mm-hmm. Six a lot. Because it's finally stopped trying to be a real movie and it's just so ridiculous and dumb. It's just bonkers. That it's yeah. just so fun. And so like sometimes you want sometimes I want every killer to get stabbed right in the eyeball and you see the Absolutely. knife sticking out of his head. Yes. And you know what? If you're gonna do it, do it with Jenna Ortega. She's a great actress. So yes, yeah. Scream Six. If you don't like Scream, you might check that one out because it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like the Jason Six of Jason, where they just like all right, that's enough story. Let's just have Jason kill a bunch of people. And this one's fun. And so go check it out. Those are the last ones on my list. Cool. Yeah, those are some movies. We're also, we'll show you our full list this week as we release this video. Yeah. But thank you guys. And again, if you like this conversation, we're going to be talking about a lot more movies. Maybe we'll even talk about de- detention, a long requested detention. Or. Maybe we'll talk about Magic Mike. Oh, we already did. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Go check out our Magic Mike review. It's fun. Why not? See it here. Yeah. The link. We saw that that. in a weird little theater with only like 40-year-old women in the same theater. Yeah. It was a very (laughs) fun. fun. (laughs) And they were very excited. They were. They got rowdy. (laughs) And then me and Andrew were just sitting there like, we probably can't even afford to be here. <laughs> I know. We're, we're, and not only that, oh, the ladies, LA. it was the yeah. dollars. You guys should have gone yeah, down yeah. at that point. You can't be oh, that, man. you can't be going that hard in the dollars, but we're actually For real, glad man. you did. Yeah, they made, it, they made it memorable. I'll never forget that um, theater. I know, it was very fun. Uh, yeah, but check it out. We'll, we'll have a bunch more stuff, more deep dives this year, including the Flowers of the Moon and maybe a Halloween special depending on whether i can finish it or not and to be fair i've been working on it since we started this podcast and it's not finished so who knows but check us out next week is the william picks find out what he wants to watch oh yes of course and especially if you like older or like random movies or you're always looking for movie recommendations 
that's one of the best things. Like we've shown a lot of movies that people may have not have heard of. So come back next week. It's a broad find spectrum. Yeah. And thank yeah. you for listening. We'll see you guys as we continue the 2024 Bomb Squad season. That's the... Oppenheimer. It's so funny that we talked about Oppenheimer on the Bomb Squad. Oh my like, God. You're what's right. the relation? I, I made that us. connection. I made that connection at the end of this episode. That's good. Uh, he's really our father. You always want to leave on a not that good note. Just. <laughs> 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 <laughs>